Remember when we saw zero down 40-year amortizations? It oh. didn't last long. Yeah. It didn't last Remember long. Remember that? 40-year amortizations, zero down. The Bank of Canada stepped in yeah. to make changes, like yeah. to, to, make so, to make affordability uh, more tangible. And yeah. I think that needs to happen uh, before we see those buyers that are kind of waiting, yeah. before they really step in and make a move. Yeah. Above and Beyond, The Real Estate Show. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Above and Beyond Real Estate Show. My name is Ralph Ciancio and I am the broker owner of Remax Hallmark Ciancio Group. Really excited. We have a very special guest joining us today. We have a good friend, an old friend, a young old friend. We have Mr. <laughs> Jeff Tata. He's a mobile mortgage specialist with the Royal Bank. And today we're going to be talking about a lot of different things, primarily talking about how finance has changed or financing has changed uh, in the landscape of real estate over the last say maybe six months or 12 months but we're gonna have a really free-flowing episode where we don't really know where the conversation is gonna go so let's get right into it Jeff thank you for being here thanks Ralph I really appreciate the uh, I really appreciate the time yeah. uh, 18 Jack, years now with RBC 18 years with RBC Holy we've been working together maybe the last 13, than, 14 18, years, but uh, yeah, yeah. more than, more than uh, 13. Yeah, somewhere in there, 13, Whoa. 14 years. Yeah. Um, yeah, we've seen a lot of changes. We've seen yeah. a lot of changes over the years, yeah. uh, but nothing like we're experiencing today. Well, I think that's the thing with uh, unpredictability is that you have scenarios where you are um, trying to anticipate what's going to happen but nobody's seen this before. And, uh, you know, but what has stayed consistent is, you know, obviously your work ethic and uh, and, and integrity with clients. And that's definitely, uh, that's been a great kind of beacon uh, that our clients uh, are attracted to. And that's why, that's one of the reasons why I love working with RBC. I mean, everything is transparent. Um, we complete everything upfront. Um, so there's no surprises that, that there's no last minute surprises that that might affect the client before yeah, closing. We do all our underwriting up front, appraisals are done up front. And when we issue, well, well you know, when we issue you that firm approval, yeah. there's no backing out. Yeah. Unless there's changes on the client's ends, but ultimately there's there's no backing out of that approval. And you know, it's funny, cause I remember, uh, you know, I've been working with the Royal Bank for, for obviously for many years, so 12, 15 years now, we've, been, we've had a great relationship. And uh, I remember you guys talking about the idea of firm approval Firm fast approval. Firm fast <laughs> approval. But I never really understood the value of it in the markets we were in. I understood the value proposition, but I didn't really understand what does it really mean for a consumer. Uh, and then now going through what we've seen is, you know, a really quick turnaround. Uh, you know, I've seen people really stuck outside without an umbrella. And it's been it's been havoc, you know. And uh, so I definitely think there's a lot of value in knowing that your bank is guaranteeing you as long as you are honest in your application, this will go through. Yes. As opposed to last minute changes a day or two before closing. Um, you know, we had a, a situation recently where, uh, you know, buyers had a problem with financing. You know, it was a, not our clients. It was, you know, they're guided by somebody else. But in the last minute, they did a appraisal of the property. You know, the, there's three months delay between when the agreement was signed to when the actual closing took place and you know the uh, appraisal value came came lower significantly than the purchase price and you know now this is in litigation it's it's not nice it's horrible it's not good for anybody and i feel frustrated because it could have been avoided you know very easily 
you know, three months before that. Yeah, and that doesn't happen with Royal Bank. Like I said, we do all our underwriting up front. So um, when we have that firm purchase agreement in place, we order the appraisal. Like the appraisal yeah. gets done so, within five days of so let's, let's of break signing down that some purchase of the, agreement. I, I really want I want the viewers uh, and the listeners here to understand some fundamentals in finance. So when we talk about an appraisal. What does that actually mean? Well, we send our we send our appraiser out just to to verify that the property is actually there. Of course, uh, it's in good standing. It's in good shape. Uh, we want to make sure there's no uh, there's no issues with the property. I mean, um, on some occasions we might go to an older home and we might find asbestos and things like that. Or if it wasn't disclosed to the buyers, it was uh, potentially a, a former grow up uh, that might come out during the appraisal. And I mean, those are hard stops. Yeah. So these are things that we want to get. Um, these these are items we want to we want to uncover up front yeah. before we go ahead and put that firm stamp of approval on an application. So, so what you're saying is when somebody applies for a mortgage and maybe they're asking for five hundred thousand dollars to buy a property that's worth seven hundred thousand dollars, you're going to pay an independent appraiser to go out and verify that the home is actually worth the seven hundred thousand that the seller and the buyer agreed upon. And you know the purpose of the appraisal is to make sure that you're not going to give. Five hundred thousand of Royal Bank's money on a property that's really worth four fifty, and that's 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 the main main reason right there, right? Like if if the property is actually worth four fifty, and those were the recent sales, why is this buyer paying seven hundred thousand for yeah. this property? What's different about this property? Yeah. So that's one of the reasons why we have to send an appraiser out. Yeah, yeah, which is due diligence. And to be honest with you, it's it, it, when you're dealing with the open market, the buyer and the seller determine the price. But it's always nice to verify that an independent, unemotional, you know, calculated model will verify that the price is within realm, right? Because sometimes it's a little bit, appraisal comes in a little bit high. Sometimes appraisal comes in a little bit low. That's totally normal. To be to be frank, I feel like a lot of times it comes in a little low just to, you know, probably... Conservative. Put, yeah, conservative to protect the bank's interest, I'm sure. But we're talking about a 1% difference or 2% difference. No need to be really alarmed by that but on the buying side in a regular market we don't see it too often more on the refinance side where a client might think that their property is worth a million but when we send our appraiser yeah. out it might come in at 950 or 925 and that's where the conservative uh a view from the lender yeah. will will take over yeah well, if you think about it in, in, a, in a transaction a buyer and seller in the open market determine the price just somebody who wants to add an addition to their home or buy a property in florida uh, you know, and they refinance their home, they're just guessing what the open market value is, which is always sometimes a surprise. And we have a strong internal process as well. I mean, if if the purchase price is in line with the uh, with the market with recent recent sales act activities, and it's a it's a strong scoring application, a lot of the times we don't even need to send an appraiser out. It'll automatically pass our internal process. Yeah. So it's a uh, it's a really smart system. It's um, it's. It, it, it makes me proud to work for RBC because we have this quick, firm, fast approval uh, that we're able to issue our clients. And we don't make you sign any any commitments or anything like that. Uh, ultimately, we want to do what's best yeah. for the individual. So that, that's, that's great insights. So we talk about the idea of what is an appraisal. Uh, maybe you can tell us what is a pre-approval. So a first-time buyer listening right now on the elliptical, like Good Life Fitness, you know, here's the word pre-approval. What does it really mean? Let's start it from the ground level. You know, what can somebody expect? If well, common misconception, a pre-approval gives you the ability to go in with a firm offer. That's not true. A pre-approval is designed to provide you with a general idea of where you stand, okay? So we'll do the preliminary underwriting where we'll look at your income, we'll look at your credit, 
and we can send that to an underwriter and we can say, okay, based on what you've given us, the information you give us, we're comfortable, we're comfortable to proceed at this purchase price with this potential down payment. Got okay. Um, the further underwriting process will take place when an offer is accepted and we send an appraiser out. So, so what you're saying is that the pre-approval is more about the actual customer, the buyer, what would they qualify for in an economic model? So like- Debt service ratios, yeah. income to debt. Exactly, so based on the income that you report, your T4s, whatever supported, and then all your debt, this is the mortgage that the bank deems you to be potential able to down payment, potential down credit payment. reports, things like. But that. it doesn't describe the actual product that you're buying. Exactly. Right? So and that's, that's where the approval a, comes in. That's why there's a common misconception. People think, and it happens all the time. I want a pre-approval so I can go firm, and I have to remind the individual, no. The pre-approval is designed to provide you an idea of where you stand. There's a further yeah. underwriting process that needs to take place. Yeah. Now, you're a big picture thinker, Jeff. Uh, I love chatting with you because you always you know, bring some perspective that you know, sometimes I don't see. I'm curious, would you think it's better for the Ontario market or the Toronto real estate market if there was a mandatory five-day condition on finance and inspection guaranteed on every single property? Do you think that would be beneficial for the market? Overall or worse? No, I think it would be beneficial for the market. It's protecting it's protecting both the buyers and the sellers. Okay, um, when you get that firm commitment from the lender, at least at least you know, at least you know they're coming in. They've done their homework and they're they're ready to they're ready to proceed with this this transaction. Now, I mean, depending on the area you're looking in, I mean, some markets might require a seven day condition or a 10-day condition. Mm-hmm. Um, or a condition on the sale of a person's home. And we're seeing that now in yeah. this market where people are purchasing homes on the condition that they can sell their home. Um, so I, th- I, believe, I believe having that inspection and having that financing condition mandatory is, is just an added way to protect yeah. uh, both the buyer and the seller. I just wonder, you know, I'm not, I mean, you know me. And this is conservative, right? I'm, I'm thinking from a conservative perspective. Yeah. Jeff thinks that I'm more conservative than he is. I think he's more conservative than I am. I think that's two conservative guys being extra conservative. But um, I, I'm not really a return guy. Usually if I buy something, I think about it. I go and purchase it. If I buy a pair of jeans that, you know, I buy them, I bring them home and don't like them. I, uh, I just, I'll give them to a relative or I'll donate them. Just, uh, you know, the process of going back to the mall is just something that I want to do. I just never get around to doing. I wonder whether people would have that same approach on buying a home that's conditional. Would we just have all these properties just with buyer's remorse where the buyer wakes up the next day and say, OMG, why did I buy this? So, you know, I know in theory, they've talked about the idea of making a mandatory conditional period or a cool off period. I just wonder, you know, would that really work in a practical or like, you know, could you really apply that? I don't know. I think it comes down to the individual and, and their comfort level. I mean, if, if I'm me personally, if I'm going in and I find that perfect home, I know I want it, but I, at least I know I have that added protection. I have that out. Yeah. If something happens with the appraisal, if something happens with after the fact, after we close, um, I, at least I know I, I, that was taken care of and I did my due diligence and I know that the lenders protecting me as well. Yeah, no, I, I agree, and I think on a on a high level, I do think if that policy was in place, the market would be healthier. You know, we say that the 
the value of anything is when a buyer and seller come to an agreement without any undue pressure. And unfortunately, I mean, you look at previous 18 months, the market was crazy and buyers were under undue pressure, right? Because well, they had to they had to buy it or prices went up 50,000 on the next one. Do you remember 2014, 2015 when people were buying homes with an iPad? Yeah. Waving all conditions, yeah. like literally a real estate agent would walk into a house with an iPad showing the house by way of video and people were going unconditional yeah. over asking. It's crazy. If we if we sit here unemotional, grab a coffee and think about spending seven hundred, which really, I mean, everyone, anyone in the GTA is like seven hundred. <laughs> we're we're gonna buy that. Like, uh, give me five of them. We might but, see like, it. We might see it in the coming months. Maybe, but uh, you know, seven hundred, a million, two million dollars. Like, yeah, just buy it. Like, I take longer to buy a pair of pants than some of, <laughs> some of these people that are buying properties for multi million dollars. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, and I I think that there's that's not a sustainable model. But uh, I know it's crazy because everyone talks about the idea of where the future is heading. I mean, you talked about prices, you know, could we get to 700,000 as an average price? I don't know. Do you think it's in the realm? Like, what do you think prices will happen in the next bit? Well, I, again, I think it's depending on the market that you're looking in. Um, we've already seen, we've already seen about a 20, 25% decline in yeah. prices. Yeah. Is that fair to assume? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we saw a 50 basis point. But hold on. We saw a 25% adjustment. From March. From March. So it's not even a whole year. Yeah, it hasn't even been a whole year. We've yeah. seen another 50 basis points uh, yesterday. Yeah. Um, my personal opinion, and again, it's just an opinion, we're likely going to see another 50 to 75 basis points by the time we get to 2023. Wow. Um, what, you're saying before the start or by the end of 2023? Uh, by first quarter 2023. Wow. Um, and it, it all comes down. How, how many times are we going to say inflation in this conversation? But it all comes down to inflation, right? Yeah. Uh, they have to get uh, the bank of Canada has to get inflation under control. But if that happens, how much more downward pressure is that going to put on the price of homes? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And a, a company that with with qualifying and affordability today, yeah. uh, I mean, people. Yes, the prices are coming down, but the qualifying rate has has gone up by over two percent. So. It, it, there there has to be a balancing point and until that happens i i personally think and this is where i look to you right are we going to see prices continue to come down maybe not to the 700 level and, and again depends on the area depends you're looking area, yeah um but are we going to continue yeah, to see maybe are, another 10 percent yeah i i don't think we're going to see a 10 percent reduction from where we're at i'll tell you when you work out the math like how much the increase in interest rate affects actual purchase price. You know, we we're just talking as we were setting up uh, to shoot this. You, you'd mentioned the idea of the current inflation, the current interest rate hike, probably de decreased the amount people could borrow by about how much? You said to two hundred thousand. At least, uh, at least one hundred and fifty. Yeah, one hundred fifty to two hundred fifty thousand, depending on the circumstance. So, what I sense out there in the marketplace is that buyers right now are speculating, saying, "If I wait a little longer." will I get a better price? And that stepping back, that itself will reduce the price. Mm -hmm. And as soon as there's a catalyst that gets people excited about buying a home, everyone's going to push back forward. See, and I don't think that will happen until we see policy changes. Agreed. Okay, so right, like I said, in January, people were qualifying based on 5.25%. Today, they're qualifying close to 8%. Yeah. That's, a, that's a big jump. Yeah, That's that a is. big jump. And... 
first-time buyers, people who are putting less than 20% down, high-ratio mortgages where the insurer has to step in, they're capped at a 25-year amortization. So now all of a sudden you have a 25-year amortization for a first-time buyer who's making good money, who spent years saving, ha having to qualify based on almost 8%. Yeah. There has to be some policy change to make home ownership more affordable for sure for sure but and there had been like you remember when we saw zero down 40-year amortizations it oh. didn't last long yeah it didn't last remember long, that but 40-year amortization zero down the bank of canada stepped in yeah. to make changes like yeah. to to make afford so to make affordability uh more tangible and yeah. i think that needs to happen uh before we see those buyers that are kind of waiting yeah. before they really step in and make a move yeah so i think that you know we talk about you know the increase in inflation and using interest rate as a lever to combat that. But when we look at other reasons why inflation is around, we saw uh, minimum wage went up in Ontario, right? We saw more jobs locally than were in the past. In the past, a lot more jobs were outsourced overseas. A lot of manufacturing that was taking place overseas at a lot less expensive production rate is now in North America, which is great for unemployment, but the cost of that product Instead of getting it created at, you know, 50 cents an hour, someone's making 15, 16, 17 dollars an hour as a base wage, which I think is great. But that means that the cost of everything has gone up. The price of gasoline has also gone up. So I think we talk about interest rates as it relates to housing because we think mortgage is a big check we write. The reality is there's a lot of things happening in the background where they could have a, an agreement with another country. The federal government could make agreements with other countries or, for example, remove carbon tax right this is to help combat combat that would cause that would if carbon tax was removed or reduced if our taxes were reduced the cost of production would go down right when you yeah. charge businesses more tax they have to charge more for their goods charging more for their goods is exactly inflation right as simple as that mm -hmm. if tim hortons has to pay 30% more for the cups that they have that they serve me coffee in the price of coffee is going up at least 30%, right? So I don't think that interest rates is the only mechanisms that we can use to combat uh, inflation. I think that there's other mechanisms, subsidies, uh, decrease in taxes. I think those will also go a very long way. Well, I hope, I mean, I hope to see, I hope to see um, some new ideas. Yeah. I hope to see some new ideas because right now the topic is just interest rate. Yeah. This is our only tool to combat that's inflation, exactly. right? Yeah. Um, and that's what I think they're going to, they, that's what I think they're going to do to break inflation's back. Yeah. Okay. So until that target rate is above the inflation numbers, then I don't think we're going to see any changes until that happens. And that's likely my opinion, end of 2023 into 2024. Yeah. Well, you know, I, 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 I agree with you. Uh, I've been in business for, you know, for over 15 years. A uh, crucial element of what I do is negotiate. You know, I'm a professional negotiator. One of the skill sets that I utilize to get great results for our clients is creativity. I think in business schools and, um, you know, business lessons, we don't hear enough about creativity and creative problem solving. If we're only using the one button to make something happen and not applying any creativity, yeah, man, there's some there's some costs associated with that. So again, the idea today, even in my world and the world we're living in, is not necessarily about the interest rate. It's more about the client's overall financial situation. So, um, the conversation is is 
is leaning more towards, okay, what can we consolidate to help increase the cash flow? Going back to the cost of goods increasing, right? I mean, uh, just driving in, they were interviewing, uh, they were interviewing someone at the gas station and he's complaining about his hour and a half commute to work, hour and a half commute back. It's costing him an extra $100 a week. He's living paycheck to paycheck. Yeah. Okay, so what we're trying to do now is trying to look at, look at the overall scenario and, and, and let's see how we can save you money. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. And, um, you know, this guy's going to have to find efficiencies in his life, you know, growing up, uh, you know, a lot of people maybe watching or listening know that I come from a background in, in home building and in construction. My dad was a ceramic tile installer for, you know, 40 years or 35 years. And I grew up as a laborer in his company. And I remember in like the deep recession, I said the R word. Great. We said, we're not going to say it. Uh, but in the deep recession of the early nineties, it was it was a really tough time. And I remember talking to one of the builders that my father was laying tiles for. And he had a really unique perspective. He said, you know, Ralph, recessions are great. We need recessions. And I said, are you crazy? Like, that sounds like such a bad word. How can anything good come from a recession? He said, look at your father working. He's installing tiles. If there was only prosperous good times, we were only booming. If he miscut the tile and had to throw it away, he wouldn't care. He would be inefficient in the way he's installing tiles because who cares? Because you're making lots of money. Mm -hmm. But when times get tough, he actually pays closer attention to the waste. And that's exactly like your story of a guy at the gas station. He's going to have to look at where am I wasting? Where can I find $100, right? Exactly. Somebody that wants to lose weight. I love, you know, that January, that, you know, mindset of, oh, I got to lose 20 pounds. So what do we do? We stop eating, uh, you know, donuts. We stop drinking pop, right? We start cutting calories in the easiest ways possible. And that's what we're trying to do. We're looking and, at credit cards at 21, 22% interest rates. Yes. We're looking at credit lines at 12 to 15% interest rates. How can we consolidate this yeah. into one streamlined payment just to increase that monthly that monthly cash yeah. flow. So month to month, you have that extra money in yeah. your pocket. I think that goes a long way. And I think that one thing that I, I hope that the viewers heard in, in what you're saying is the idea of consolidating. Um, you know, we believe in financial literacy in our company. Our vision, our goal is to help people make great decisions. And the foundation of that is an informed market, which is really why we put on this show is to help people stay informed, read behind the headlines. But the idea of consolidating, there's a lot of people out there that the easiest, you know, elimination of Coca-Cola from your diet for somebody that wants to lose weight is consolidating expensive debt. And I think that that could go a long way in terms of the cash flow. One thing that I'll say is people are looking towards this rise in interest rates and saying, OMG, the sky is falling. It may feel that way, but I promise it's only temporary. This is not the normal rate and normal process well actually maybe it's more normal than it was i think so yes. previous was not normal but this is now we're going to land somewhere probably in the middle i think there will be a regression on interest rates i think it will come down so if anybody's had a, if anybody's had a mortgage in uh for over over 10 years like we're going back to 2010 yeah um interest rates were between four and five percent people were going crazy for a four-year fix at 499 yeah. and i personally think we're gonna land somewhere between four and a half to five and a half percent that will be the new norm. Yeah. Um, but then again, what is what is normal? We really don't know. <laughs> what is normal inflation? What like the Bank of Canada is saying two percent, but is two percent really normal? Where I hear some um, 
some asset managers saying we have to be between three and four percent inflation or five or four to five yeah. percent. So what is normal? And we're really not gonna we're really not gonna know until the next few months kind of play out yeah. and we'll see how the numbers change. We'll see how the Bank of Canada is targeting targeting the uh, the food industry because there's pretty much three companies that are <laughs> exactly. controlling the food prices. Yeah. How is that going to change? How is that pressure on those companies going to change? Um, but w- we really can't predict anything. Like, I, I mean, I just want to bring up a point. Uh, July 2020, the Bank of Canada came out and, and said, and I quote, expect low interest rates for a very long time. If I hear a very long time, I'm thinking, okay, maybe, maybe two and a half, three and a half years, we can expect low rate. I, I wouldn't have anticipated where we are today. And people watching might say, oh, I would have, I would have guessed that. Well, it's easy today. It's easy today to say that, but mainstream, everybody was pretty much on the same page. Like we're we're in this for at least at least three years, and uh, 17 months later, this is where this is where we are. Right. And it's um, it's it's I mean, it's hard. It's hard to think about those people like that went into variable rate mortgages and and weren't informed on what to expect, whether you're with a lender that will change your mortgage payment or whether you're with a lender that has a triggering interest rate where you have to make those extra payments to stay on track. Right. So it's um, uh, at the end of the day, I hope anybody in a variable rate mortgage um, has has received the proper advice. Um, but ultimately, I mean, it's, it's hard to predict where we will be six months from now, a year from now. Well, let's, let's check in then. But let's from what I'm back. hearing, from what I'm hearing, things should settle between four or 5%. Yeah. One, once well, the R word is over. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's have you back in, uh, you know, periodically we'll have you back in. We'll, we'll check in. We can play clips of what you thought was going to happen. We'll hold your feet to the fire. <laughs> we'll look like we're on the J loan. Oh, Jay I love show. it. I love it. Yeah, That'll be great. Clip? Clip? <laughs> six months ago. This is what he said. Yeah, exactly. He's crazy. <laughs> Don't hold me to it. <laughs> um, but you know, that being said, uh, you know, if you do have any questions about the topics discussed today, feel free to enter them in the, uh, the comments below myself and Jeff. We'll do our best to uh, to answer them the best way we can. And of course, if you need contoured specific advice about your own family's situation, or even if it's just curiosity about the future, we can definitely have a discussion offline. So, Jeff, I want to thank you so much for being here. And, Thanks, Ralph. Uh, Appreciate the time. We hope that uh, we hope that the market is still moving, active, move, shake and bake. You know, things will pick up. Things yeah. will pick up. Wonderful. Wonderful. Thanks a lot for watching, and stay tuned for another episode coming to you soon.